0: Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I wanna thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I am a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. It's Robin here. I, of course, have a wonderful guest that I cannot wait for you to meet. And I want to let you know, look, we're talking about allergies here. And did you know, did you know that one in 13 American kids has a food allergy? And of those kids, one in five of them has been to the ER because of their allergy within the last year. And 40% of kids with allergies have life-threatening reactions. So this is just such an important topic for us to to talk about, and I have one of the foremost experts on this who has just the best platform to help you. So if you're listening, you've got to, you've just got to listen to the site that uh, that my guest is building and it will absolutely help you. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Rania Nassis. She is a physician, and entrepreneur. She's a startup mentor who builds and advises companies that give agency to the voiceless in healthcare. Oh my goodness. Like, don't you love her already just for that? (laughs) So she, and the voiceless being seniors facing social isolation, kids contending with illness, you know, different things like that, where it's so hard to navigate when you're in that stage of life. And she is so passionate about solving healthcare problems that really others deem intractable. And in that spirit, she has founded Super Awesome Care, which is a virtual care platform for kids with food allergies and their families. So excited to talk to you. Rania, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. It's exciting to be here and uh, share with your audience some information about food allergies.
0: And just so great to meet you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, this is so great. And you know, I've never talked about this. I've talked about things like picky eaters and you know, how do you get your kids to eat different foods and more things and all the things, but I've never talked about food allergies. So I was jumping at the chance to talk to you. So can we kind of start at the beginning? You know this might be a dumb question but like what is a food allergy what does it actually mean so let's start there <laughs> yeah i mean not not a
1: dumb question there's a lot of confusion around what food allergies are and the simplest explanation is the food allergy it's an immune response to food mm. you're basically your immune system is responding to protein and food and so typically our immune systems it's there to protect us from dangerous things like bacteria viruses parasites with food allergies there's kind of a glitch. It's identified this what should be a good guy, a food protein, right? We need food, that's good guys. Um, it's saying it's a bad guy and it just basically says, okay, every time we see this, we're gonna attack it. And so when it sees okay. a food protein that a child is allergic to, it mounts this massive immune response, a whole bunch of chemicals are released. Um, one of those being histamine that causes all sorts of different symptoms from you know hives to redness, to swelling over the face, difficulty breathing. Um, it's, it's really essentially like the immune system should see food as harmless and it doesn't. Um, and the reason we sort of talk about this is that it can actually be incredibly dangerous. It happens relatively quickly. Um, and if it's not addressed, the allergic reaction, it can also lead to a called anaphylaxis, which can kids can have trouble breathing, their blood pressure can drop and it can be fatal and just rare tragic circumstances. And so that's why we want people to take food allergies seriously. It's a real thing. It's the immune system essentially attacking food and causing this massive overreaction.
0: Wow. Okay. You know what? I didn't know that. I didn't know it was an an immune response. And um but I did know that it can be life-threatening in a really serious way. And that anaphylaxis, that's why you have those epipens, right? Exactly. But thats is that just for anaphylaxis or is that for all immune responses to a f- food allergy?
1: Yeah, so you know, epinephrine is typically treated for anaphylaxis. So food reactions can vary. For some kids, it can start off mild. And so some of the symptoms could be they have hives on their face some swelling. And in some cases you can take antihistamines like Zyrtec or Benadryl to sort of help with the mild symptoms, but it can quickly escalate from those mild symptoms to very severe symptoms. So anaphylaxis is typically when you have uh, reactions in in two different parts of the body. So it could be difficulty breathing and hives and swelling, or, you know, for some kids, anaphylaxis can actually present with an impending sense of doom. So imagine a toddler coming to you feeling like, oh, my God, the world's ending. Like, this actually Mm. happens where there's just sense of like, there's devastation, they're just distraught. Um, it can lead to confusion, and so all sorts of different symptoms. The ones we worry about the most are really the difficulty breathing, the drop in blood blood pressure, which can be fatal. And so the treatment when you have anaphylaxis is epinephrine. It's the EpiPens that you mentioned. And so we always say kids that have three allergies should carry around two pens, two EpiPens. So it's EpiPen. AviQ is the other brand. Uh, and the reason we say two is that sometimes, you know, typically a first dose is enough. Sometimes it's not enough, and hmm. you need a second dose. The other thing that can happen is that, you know, in the panic, you know, a child having a reaction, you're in the panic, you might actually use it incorrectly. You know, we've had parents that will accidentally stab themselves instead of stabbing their kids, you know, in that panic moment. And so you, you always want that backup pen and in, 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 just in rare cases, um, the first pen might malfunction, right? So you always want that backup pen for those you know, instances where you do need it. And so that's why we always say, if you have three allergies and you're, you have a prescription for Epi, carry around two of your pens at all times.
0: Okay. And is it dangerous? <laughs> like, I know I it is. I would be the parent. I would, I would stab myself. I just want to say that I probably would. So, yeah, it, it's, it wouldn't hurt me or another or It's, it's another. actually... It's such
1: a safe drug. Epinephrine is is adrenaline. That's all it is. So think of like when you're super excited and it's just adrenaline, it's super safe. You can't harm a kid giving it to it. You don't harm yourself stabbing it. Some doctors have like stabbed themselves in front of patients to show them how safe it is. (gasps) Lots of kids have accidentally stabbed themselves. Um, Some kids, and we've heard from like little boys in particular, like stab themselves for fun just to see what it feels like if they have an EpiPen. Uh, But lots of parents, it's it's an incredibly safe drug. It's it's completely harmless. Um, and so, you know, it's not, you don't have to worry about the EpiPen. It does, the needle does scare kids It's a tiny needle, but it does the idea that they're gonna get a needle can be a little bit scary, but it's incredibly safe drug, works really quickly and just really effective.
0: Right, and pink to the thigh, blue to the sky, right? Is that- orange,
1: close, so close. Oh, actually you're in Canada, is it different in Canada? In the U.S., mm-hmm. it's orange to the, orange to the thigh, blue to the sky.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe it is orange. See, I, I don't know. I don't know. But okay, so this is a question I honestly don't know the answer to. Um, do you need a prescription to get an EpiPen? Or you do. You so do. you have yeah. to have this diagnosed. Okay. So um look, as as a as a new parent, you know, we always have lots of different worries. And We may feel that or worry that our child does have an allergy. So where do we start, you know, and, and I guess my next question is, do I worry more if I have a food allergy versus, you know, and then I have kids, is there a chance that they're going to have them? So essentially, is it hereditary? There's a
1: tiny, tiny risk that you know sometimes it runs in families, but in most cases there's no family history. It just sort of happens. Okay. Um, and I will say with with a you know there, you do have a slightly increased risk if say the parent one of the parents have it or the siblings have it, um, but in most cases it's just there's no history. It just sort of happens in the family. Okay. And then, you know, typically there's no hidden food allergies. If you have a food allergy, you're going to know it because what happens is when you give your child, let's say it's peanut that they're allergic to, right. uh, they're going to react to it. They're, you know, something's going to happen. They might, you know, have redness in their mouth. There might be some swelling. There might be some hive. And this happens every single time you give that food. And so okay. um, you're, you're going to notice it. Uh, you're going to notice some symptoms that are happening every single time that food's happening. It's typically the first time you give it. Um, so the first time you introduce peanuts or it could be milk, eggs, uh, you know, the other common allergens are wheat, soy, sesame, shellfish, finfish. fish, um, and, you know, any of those, the first time you give it, you're typically going to see a reaction. And that's going to, you know, and it's it's often an obvious reaction, like you're, you can physically see something or the child's super cranky. And again, it's every time you give the food. Um, and so that typically is going to prompt you to go to your pediatrician. Say, I think something's happening. In the rare cases where you know their face blows up, then you're immediately going to go to the emergency room, right? Um, and you, you know, you know, for the first time, you're going to have time to get there. Uh, but you're, it, it's going to be something you're going to notice. You're going to go to your pediatrician. And what we generally advise is, we do want you to see an allergist because it's sometimes complicated to diagnose food allergies. So We want to know that there's there's a history there's a reason for us to suspect a food allergy right something happened you gave your child egg and their face got red or swelled up or you know something um, you know we're having difficulty breathing or starting to, to make sounds different sounds and things of that sort um, you know we want to know that there's a reason for testing and so then well, you know when you get to the allergist they can do certain tests to sort of confirm. You know, Some of those are skin prick tests, but they'll put a tiny amount of allergen under the skin to see mm. if it welts up, that you know, you get a raised bump on the skin. You can also do blood tests. The gold standard for diagnosing a food allergy is basically called an oral food challenge. And that means you're you going to do this in a hospital setting or you're in the doctor's office where they have epinephrine, they're prepared to treat it. And if you suspect that there's a food allergen, you can give them a small dose of that allergen and see if there's a reaction, right? And that tells you 100% this is a food allergy.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. And so there are foods that are really like the usual suspects, right? It's, yeah. are, are, you know, it, is it safe to say there's some foods that are never um, a problem, or is it just is it just a certain group of foods? Yeah. So about ninety percent are caused by the top nine allergens,
1: and so those are milk, egg, wheat, soy, sesame, shellfish, finfish, um, peanuts, and tree nuts. And so those cause about 90% of food allergies. Now you can be allergic to almost anything. They've identified about 190 foods that can cause food allergies, but those top 90 are going to cover, like I said, 90% of all food allergies. So those, those are sort of your usual suspects. And so the most common among kids tends to be a milk allergy. Um, Mm. Some kids do outgrow, will outgrow a milk allergy as they get older, but not everyone. For adults, it's typically shellfish allergies, number one.
0: Um, mm. and then
1: of the ones that we kind of think of as the most dangerous that are often lead to anaphylaxis or you know the ones you hear in the story which are typically you're hearing about peanuts or tree nuts.
0: Right. Okay.
1: but, so, but any any one of those can cause anaphylaxis.
0: <clears throat> okay. Okay, and that's very serious. Really really serious. Yeah. And and so that could mean that if the egg is um or milk is used to make a a product as well, right? Like it's not just eating eggs or drinking milk. It's within the food too.
1: Exactly. So and that's why you know if you have a child with a food allergy, you have to check every single label of everything you purchase oh. because even a small amount and even sometimes trace amounts. And so what we sort of try to educate parents around mm. when they have a kid with food allergy is something called cross-contamination, where the ingredient might not actually be in the food you're giving to your child, but you mm. may have been in let's say you shared utensils when you were cooking. And so you know, Imagine if you had um, egg and you were mixing egg with, with a ladle and then you moved it to something else and that had egg residue on it, right? You can have instances of that where there's contamination happening from other things in the kitchen. And so it's it's often very tiny amounts that can cause an allergic reaction. Um, So we have to be careful. And so parents have to obsessively check every single label. Luckily, the top eight and uh, starting next year, sesame, the top nine have to be labeled on all food ingredients just to make sure that it's not there. But Um, You can imagine, to a parent, it's you know, it's not as simple as saying, "Oh, just don't give my kids eggs." It's you can't give my kids anything that has egg in it, and things like you know, egg, soy, milk—they're in even sesame. There are so many different things that you wouldn't think have those ingredients in them.
0: Uh, Completely, yeah. And I, I just want to say to the parents listening, you know, this is hard, and I, I, I get it. If you're stressed, you know, it's hard enough to be a parent. Then you add in things that you didn't know you'd have to face like allergies or, you know, you know, I I, really my specialty is, is, is difficult kids, hard to parent kids, kids that often have ADHD or ODD, you know, I have a child that has that and OCD, you know, we've got lots going on and um, look, it it does complicate things, and it adds to fear and stress and worry. And, you know, it feels like you can't put your guard down because you, you know, we're wired for survival, and this is all about survival, right? And you, you have the EpiPens, you may, you know, educate your child, and the world is still... You know there's that you just don't know right so you can't protect them from everything in every situation because you can't possibly think through all those and it's exhausting if you do right so I just want to say to those parents like we we feel you and uh, we know it's hard and uh, and it's okay to say it's hard I think uh, and then um, you know yeah and if I, I can just interject there yeah. a little bit
1: um and this and this can relate to any parent that's got a child that requires extra effort, like you mentioned certain mm. behavioral conditions as well, too, um, which by the way also plays a role in food allergy. About 40% of kids with food allergies are bullied. Oh. Or, you know, oftentimes you need to go see a therapist. There's a lot of anxiety, as you can imagine, fear of food pops up early. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, your people make fun of you. Why can't you eat certain things? Why are you different? Why do you have to carry on these epi pens? Um, there's a lot of a lot of anxiety issues mm. that come up with kids with food allergies so parents in addition to sort of having to manage the food allergy uh. which is you know when they're when they're in your care it's kind of easy it's when they go to school and daycare and parties and after school events where food is just everywhere it's just such a part of our lives and then it's not just educating yourself you have to educate somebody, everybody around you have to get them to take it seriously um and mm-hmm. there's just so much misinformation out there and you know, to your point of it's just, it's extra work. Um, There was a study that was done that actually showed if you have a child with food allergies, that's eight extra hours of work per week that you have to do. So imagine that, you know, you're already as a parent stressed. You don't think there's enough hours in the day uh, with a a child with food allergies. You got to find an extra eight hours to manage everything. And oftentimes it's cooking meals, sorting through ingredients, buying specialty foods and things of that sort.
0: Oh geez. And you know, I do, I don't know many people with food allergies, but I, I, am thinking of one family right now and yeah, I never, it never occurred to me, just never occurred to me. And so these poor kids can be bullied because they are different and they have to have they can't have the cupcake when you know every when that person's birthday you know or they get a special cupcake that doesn't look the same or you know whatever it is. But here's what I want to know too. Um oh and I was gonna say I'm sure some parents are also not me. Well, maybe bullied. I don't know if you want to use that word, but you know, like, Oh, Robin, get over it. Like you, she's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, don't worry so much. You worry too much. Like, you know, I'm sure that happens too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And a lot of it just comes from,
1: it's not sort of a meanness inherent. It's just, it's just ignorance. It's not understanding. It's not, you know, it's just not knowing. Right. so for instance, we'll get a lot of parents where we told, Oh, you know, they're just a picky eater. They'll grow out of it. It's totally fine. Like, you know, food allergies, they're just not a big deal or, Oh, it's like everybody has food allergies today because a lot of it is just so much misinformation out there. People don't understand what a food allergy is, or they might know someone. The one that comes up so often is like, Oh yeah, I'm lactose intolerant, but you know, if I just take lactate then I'm fine. And it's like, okay, well, you can. It doesn't. It's not going to kill you if you have milk, even if you don't take lactate. Um, and, and a milk allergy is very different from you know being lactose intolerant, tolerant where you're missing an enzyme, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And so there, there's just a lot of that. It really just comes from a place of they just don't. They don't have the right information to understand what a food allergy mom goes through on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah. You know, so, so here's a question that I have for you. When, uh, one of my boys was in kindergarten, he had a teacher who wanted the kids to be able to bring peanut butter to school. And so she, uh, she, you know, pulled all of the kids in the, in, in in the class, the parents and, uh, And, and the information that I got then, uh, so first of all, there was nobody with a peanut allergy and I sort of questioned her and said, yeah, but there are other kids in the school with peanut allergies. What if we bring a peanut butter sandwich, which is sort of like our sandwich of choice in my house. Right. (laughs) Um, so I was super happy about it. It was like, oh, that'll be easy. Uh, but like, what about the other kids? Like, so in order to have an allergic reaction, I know you just mentioned trace, amounts earlier, but in order to have an allergic reaction, do you have to actually consume the food or can you just be near it or even touch it? So I really don't know the answer to that. Please tell me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Great, great question It's just, it's, it's a confusing one. Um, and, and there's just a lot of confusion around it from parents. And so generally you're going to have to consume it, right? It has to go okay. into your, into your mouth, into your gut. Um, now, that in general, like, touching it, being near it is not gonna be so much of an issue. There's rare cases where certain things can become aerosolized. So like on an airplane and there's, everybody's opening up peanuts and like potential, even though it's rare and, and you really need a high concentration, um, there are certain things, shellfish as well. Some of the particles can become aerosolized, but in general, it's very rare to have an allergic reaction because you're near it or next to it um, for the most part, right? You have to consume it to have that allergic reaction. Here's the caveat when it comes to kids though they don't always stay to themselves and always keep to themselves. And so for little kids, uh, and a lot of times, this is actually how parents will sometimes find out their kid has no reaction: is that they'll have an older sibling and their older sibling will be eating a peanut butter sandwich and then touch their younger sibling on the face that hasn't had peanut yet. And then like all of a sudden they'll they'll have a reaction to it because, you know, they put, they, you know, touched it, they put it in their face, it's gotten into their mouth. Um, and then also with like little kids, they're touching everything. And then where do hands go for little kids? It always goes in their mouth, right? Oh. And so that's a concern with, you know, sometimes daycares and not wanting, or, you know, you know early school grades not wanting peanuts around is that you don't, you know, sometimes kids just aren't at the age where they understand that they can't have it. Um, and then other kids don't know either, right? And so we've had instances of bullying where, kids will throw the allergen at the kid um, or smear it on them or force them to eat it and things of oh that sort. So that's that's part of the challenge with like young kids is that uh-huh. even though they, they generally are going to have to consume it to have that allergic reaction, uh, it's just, you can't always be sure that they're not going to inadvertently consume it or it's not going to get on their hands or they're not going to consume it some other ways. And, and, it, and it's even certain times with like arts and crafts, um, there could be sort of, they're playing with pasta or something else, something that's got allergens in it that you don't think about. Uh, oh, but then goodness. they're playing with their hands and they're putting their hands in their mouths, right? And that could be exposing them to the allergen. But in general, you don't have to worry about sort of having, you know, those types of allergens near kids. It's just, in many cases, parents just prefer not to have them near because it just makes accidental exposure so much more likely.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah. That's such a great, those are great points. Wow. I mean, again, you just don't think about those things when you don't have to. Exactly. So can you prevent allergies at all? Like what about, you know, when, when you're pregnant and you know, what if you eat nuts, could that have, could that create a nut allergy? Could it make them immune to a nut allergy? Like where, is it possible to prevent them? Yeah, it is. And we'll get into how to prevent them. I'll say in general,
1: it doesn't, all the studies, it doesn't actually make a difference if you consume allergens or don't consume allergens while pregnant. It's just not conclusive one way or another. It's not, you're not going to give your kids allergies based on what you ate when you were pregnant. Okay. Um, what we do know, um, you know, there's sort of, you know, a lot of learning that's still happening in the science. So in like the early 2000s, the guidance was, you know, don't introduce allergens, particularly things like peanut till the child's older. So one to two years old. Uh, and then there was this actually pivotal study done around 2015 that showed you you actually have to introduce early as early as possible to actually reduce the risk of childhood allergies and so it's what's called, called early introduction so it's basically once your child is starting to sort of grab for food ready to go for solid foods around four to six months you should start introducing allergens at that time um, even some studies showing that even earlier so starting to introduce the, you know the top nine allergens at a young age and that we showed that can actually reduce the risk of food allergies particularly for kids that are high risk. And high risk kids tend to be, you know, ones that have a family history or they have moderate to severe eczema. Um, But in general, we also talk about when it comes to prevention, the five Ds, um, which is first one is diet, which I just mentioned, which is that early introduction, getting those allergens in early. Um, And there's some brands that have come out. There's Ready Set Foods, which make it really easy. You can add essentially the allergens as a powder to your breast milk and give it to your kid. So you can take care of it without having to figure out like, how do I feed peanut butter? You know, how do you feed peanut butter to a four-month-old? Right, it's sticky. You'd have to water it down. So there's foods like that. Um, once they've sort of been introduced, there's a product I love here in the states called Mission Mighty Me Puffs, which are sort of just little peanut puffs. And so you're making sure you give your kid a bunch of these little puffs, and you got peanut handled right. You're, you're keeping wow. because it's not just not just giving it once; it's giving it, but then also maintaining that exposure to drive down the risk of developing it. And then the four other D's are actually dogs. Studies have shown that if you have a dog, you have a less likelihood of developing food allergies. And part of that is going to tie into the third D, which is dirt, which is our (laughs) immune systems learn by being exposed to like all these bad things, right? And so if the environment's too clean, that we actually are more likely to develop food allergies. So being around dogs, which are bringing in all sorts of critters and dirt and everything into the house, (laughs) makes you less likely to have food allergies. And then dirt sort of being, you know, playing in the dirt, being around or being outside, that also decreases your risk. And then the, the other two are sort of dry skin. We know that if you have dry skin, particularly eczema as a baby, moderate to severe eczema, you are more likely to develop food allergies. And part of that, the reason that's thought is that, you know, the, the, the skin is essentially a barrier. Nothing's supposed to get into the skin. If anything gets into the skin, it's just a bad guy in your immune system attacks it. So what's happening with babies that have eczema is that their skin is dry. And so there might be food proteins on hands of mom, dad, grandma, and it's getting in under Mm. the skin because the skin is broken. And so the body is sort of seeing it for the first time not in an immune response versus what should normally happen is that the first time you see that food should be in the gut because the gut knows we're not Mm. gonna attack food here, right? And so that's sort of one of the hypotheses around why kids with eczema are more likely to develop food allergies. Um, and so, making sure that the skin, you know, is, is not dry, um, and then also not using harsh detergents, which also, you know, cleansing products, even hand sanitizers, anything that's drying out the skin, you really want to avoid that. Just sort of because our skin is sort of just this natural barrier, it takes care of itself. Kind of just leave it alone, and making sure you're using the right sort of lotions or emollients uh, if if baby has moderate eczema. Um, and then the the last one is actually vitamin D. We know that oh. kids that are vitamin D deficient are more likely to have food allergies uh, three times for eggs and about 11 times more likely for peanut allergies. And a lot of, and they're actually more likely to have multiple food allergies if they have low vitamin D. And wow. part of this is, you know, vitamin D is so pivotal to our immune system. And you even sound this with COVID. You probably heard everyone talking about vitamin D. If you were, if you had low vitamin D and you got COVID, you're actually more likely to have worse outcomes with COVID. So we see just what a pivotal role vitamin D plays in the immune system. And so that's just another factor.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. So diet, dogs, dirt, dry skin, eczema, uh, and vitamin D. Yep. I wrote down detergent, That's but perfect. detergent is related to dry skin. So skin, it, yeah, yeah. It's all- exactly. it's like dry skin and detergent. Yeah. So far mm-hmm. that that is really, really fascinating. So I had no idea that you would now start to introduce as early as possible, four to six months. And so there are some products out there to help you do that. Um, yeah. For those of you in the States. Yeah. Go, go for it. Uh, in Canada, I don't know what we have, to be honest, I'm going to have to go have you, a look. You probably and- have, you,
1: yeah. You probably have something. I'm sure, similar. Do.
0: You, I'm sure you do. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm, I, I, I am 100% sure we do. Okay, so uh, one of the things I don't, I'm not clear on is food allergies versus intolerances versus sensitivities. So can we just, I, I think you've maybe touched on it a little bit here and there, but I would love a really clear definition of what each of those is. I mean, I think we know what the allergy is, but what about the intolerance and sensitivities? Yeah, I mean so we have covered
1: food allergy. It's it's immune response to food protein. It occurs every single time you ingest the food, right? There, it's not a sort of sometimes kind of thing, it's every time. And it can be life-threatening. It can lead to anaphylaxis. So with food intolerances, there's no immune response involved. It's typically something that when you eat the food that you have an intolerance to, typically you're gonna get more gut, you know, gut system symptoms, you know, mm. bloating, stomach aches, diarrhea, constipation, et cetera. Um, but it doesn't involve the immune system. Uh, but sometimes the symptoms can overlap, which is why people sort of confuse the two. In some cases with a food intolerance, it could be like you know, being, uh, having a lactose intolerance. Like you're, with lactose intolerance, you're missing the enzyme. And a lot of times as we get older, we lose we this enzyme to break down the milk products. Uh, and so that's caused by you know, an intolerance to um, you know, not having that lactose anymore. And so you can take things like lactate that can help make it better, but it's not the immune system again, it's sort of your body's not able to break it down properly and your mm-hmm. gut's sort of giving you all these sorts of symptoms. Um, and, it, you know, and like I said, because there's overlap, there's a little bit of confusion, um, but you know, it, it, one of the clear things is sort of um, with food, it's every single time it's immune mediated with an intolerance and with a food allergy, you're going to get the symptoms like the hives, the swelling, the other things that are sort of indicative of an allergic reaction with a food intolerance, it's much more likely to be gut related. It's mm. also variable. It doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes you can eat a little bit and you're fine with a food allergy, like even a little bit can trigger a reaction. Whereas, you know, intolerances aren't so sort of cut and dry all the time as well too. And they can also wax and wane over time. Like you might be intolerant for a while and then right. you, you, sort of, you adjust your diet and you're okay with that, um, mm. you know, and, and sort of, and, and then food intolerances are never life-threatening. You never have to worry that you're going to end up in the ER, or potentially you lose your life because of a food intolerance. Now sensitivities, they're almost, there's no agreed upon definition in the, sort of among the medical community. And it's it's definitely not an immune response. It's sort of like this catch all word. And in many cases, it's become more of a marketing term, right, to market tests that you can do to tell you if you're sensitive to these things. And in most cases, those tests are completely useless. Um, <laughs> they're just trying to sort of <laughs> to tell you. But they, it's not a real thing. The immune system is immediate. It's not clear if there's any sort of lack of enzymes involved. Uh, it's sort of just this nebulous category. And so generally in medicine, we sort of talk about food allergies and food intolerances. And the main thing is immune system and life-threatening and intolerances are not immune system and not life-threatening.
0: Okay. No, that's, that's very clear. Okay. So it's more about the gut. So maybe you get a tummy ache, you maybe get some diarrhea or something like that, right? That's kind of um, what, what we're talking about. And it's not life-threatening. So that's really important. I think that's a really important distinction to make. So, okay. So what, what can we do for those of us that don't have kids with allergies, but look, if you're in a group of kids, you know, if there's, if there's a, a OK, so obviously I'm Canadian. I was going to say a hockey team because that's my default <laughs> setting is to say hockey. But, you know, whatever sport or activity your kids are in, how can we as parents be more uh, inclusive of those kids with allergies? So what what can we do to help those parents and those kids? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing
1: is, is include them. The greatest gift you can give to a food allergy parent and a kid is just include their kid in anything that you're doing. Uh, and the parent's gonna be your biggest ally, right? So if you are having a party and there's gonna be food there, invite the kid. Don't, don't have them be the only kid that's not invited to a party because you're worried your cake isn't gonna be wheat-free or milk-free or et cetera. Um, and then talk to the parents. The parents are, are your best ally. They'll tell you ways to how to include them. So in some cases, parents will offer to bring the food that their child can eat or give you suggestions on, on what to buy to make it easy. Um, or sometimes they'll say you know my you know my kid will eat before they get there um so always talk to the parent the parent is there to help make your life easier and they want you to include their child um and the way i talk about this like you know in the united states food allergies are considered a disability you can actually fill out paperwork to make sure your school pays extra attention to your child and so if you had a kid that was in a wheelchair or had some other physical disability you wouldn't exclude them and you wouldn't let your kids bully them and you wouldn't and so if seafood allergies is the same you want to make sure that they're included in whatever you're doing. There's also things where, you know, not everything has to be around food. You can do play dates that are, you know, Legos or arts and crafts or hockey, like you said, sports, maybe playing sports or video games, things where, where food isn't always the center of the universe of what you're planning. Um, and, and that's really it. Talk to the parents. They're there mm. to help you out. They want you to include their kid and they want to make it as easy as possible for you to include their kid. What we don't want happening is somebody sort of saying it, and this happens so often is like, oh, I just don't want to deal with it. It's such a burden uh, to, to, you know have a different cake um, and those types of things. And again, that's the worst thing you can do because these kids are already bullied. They already feel different. And that's the worst thing to be left out of all these different parties because parents see it as a burden. Um, And I I guarantee you, if you reach out to these parents they will bend over backwards Mm -hmm. trying to make it easy for you to include their kid. Um, and then also, if you're going to do that party, make sure that, um, you know, if it's like an ice cream party, you have ice, some sort of ice cream like thing that the food allergy kid can eat, right? So it's like, yeah. don't have an ice cream social and then like hand them fruits and vegetables, right? You want to make sure that <laughs> it's somewhat comparable, right? Or they're, you know, eating an app, you know, broccoli and everybody else is going for pizza. There's, there's, and, you know, the nice thing is that so many more people are aware of sort of, um, you know, issues with food. And so there's a lots of allergen-free snacks out there, lots of restaurants and, you know, p- places that will do sort of allergen-free food as well too. And so there's ways to work around that. It. It's just be open to it and be willing to work with mm. the parents.
0: I love that. I think that's so great. Like talk to the parents for sure. And I think that we need to just normalize it uh, and just say, hey, you know, we're, we're doing this thing. Does anybody have any allergies? What, do, what are your concerns about the food or, or whatever it is, right? Um, I think that is just a nice thing to do anyway, you know? Like, let's just make it a part of what we're asking anyway, right? And um yeah, I, I you're, you're absolutely right. Like the parents will help you, the parents will help you. And so, you know, we, we, we're we releasing this episode right around the holidays. And so let's, can we talk just uh, for a minute about holiday food and gatherings? Because as you know, I mean, look, we're, we're gonna be seeing people we don't normally see, eating food we don't normally eat more food is around, you know, all different kinds of food is around that you don't always have an opportunity to eat. And that must make those poor parents head span. Yeah. So what can we do, both parents that don't have kids with allergies and parents that do? Yeah. I mean, and it goes back to really just
1: communicating. So one of the best things you can ask is like, how do we make sure your child's fully included in this event? Um, whether, you know, what are safe foods that we can have from them, you know, and how can they, you know, the severity of allergies differ. Sometimes, um, you know, parents won't want any of the allergen at the party. Sometimes it's like, well, it's okay. As long as my child's food is completely separate. So talk to the parents, figure out what works. It's also for family gatherings too. And what we hear from a lot of families, unfortunately, is that, sometimes it's their own family that doesn't take it seriously where, you know, they're like, Oh, it's totally fine. We'll just, we'll just pick it off the like, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or something like that and not realizing like, no, it's like cross-contamination and, and all the, all those things. It's just like, my, my child just cannot have this and we can't risk them accidentally having this. Um, and so it's one, just just talk to the parents and believe them is that if they tell you this cannot be at the table or this cannot be in the food, take them at their word, right? Don't be like, well, we'll just sort of take it off their plate, right? So they won't eat it, but it, it'll have to touch their food and things of that sort. Really just work with the parents and think of, again, like ways that you can include the child in whatever else you're doing that day so that's not always revolving around food. Um, and then just, to, like I said, making sure there's always some way to include them and it doesn't take as much effort as people think it does.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I can really see that as... Being your own family, like, you know, my mom and dad or my in-laws or whatever, like, oh, don't worry about it, right? Like, oh, Robin's just being extra, you know, paranoid, right? And that's right. not okay. Like, you got to listen. This is life-threatening immunoresponse, mom and dad, right? Exactly. And, you know, part of it is it's sort of just generational
1: thing as well, too. Whereas, um, you know, for I sort of mentioned to you before we, we started this, that when I was a kid, no one in my school had food out. I don't think anyone in my entire school, no one in my grade, I didn't know anyone with food allergies really wasn't until like the late 80s, early 90s, we started to really see uptick in food allergies, but also uptick in anaphylactic reactions and death from food allergies. And so if you were a kid in the 80s and 90s, you're sort of like, no one had, this wasn't a big deal. And so it's, <laughs> it's almost, and if you don't have, and it, it's not in your family and you haven't seen a child have this have a severe reaction, it's really easy to be dismissive of it. Um, and so that's sort of part of just, because it didn't exist when we were kids, it doesn't mean it's not a real serious thing we have to pay attention to now. And so we get it all the time that there's you know in-law in-laws who's always like a mother-in-law or one of the grandparents doesn't think it's a real thing. and um, and the other thing that happens, which just don't ever do this um, is don't blame the mom. It's sort of the sense of, well, if this didn't exist yeah. in my generation, then mom must have done something wrong. Exactly. this, right that What did you not, did you not eat enough allergens? Did you eat too many? Did you, what did you do? Like, did you breastfeed? Did you not breastfeed? And so the sense of sort of like, mom must have done something wrong to have caused this. And it's like, no, that's not what happened. It's just food allergies just happen in some kids and we have to take them seriously.
0: Hey, us moms, we got enough to worry about. Like, you don't need to shame me any more than I already feel. You know, like that is not fair at all. Let me ask you though, why is there more now? Great, great question. So we don't have a completely
1: full answer up to that. We don't know exactly. Part of it is the hygiene hypothesis sort of alluded to earlier of our environments, which is more sterile. We're exposed to a lot more, a lot less things mm-hmm. nowadays than we were before. And it's kind of interesting. You see as countries start to become more and more developed, their food allergies kind of shoot up right um, mm-hmm. and, and some of the theories are you know normally as babies our immune systems they're just supposed to be a zillion things thrown them and the immune system's sort of busy um and so some people say well like the, now the environment's just too clean and they just the immune system doesn't have enough to do mm-hmm. so sometimes it just starts going after things that are, are relatively uh, safe the other thing sort of goes back to that sort of dual exposure hypothesis which is you know with eczema the skin is broken and so the allergens are sort of getting in under the skin for the first time uh, and then where, and then the first time they're eating it in the gut, the immune system's already primed to attack it. Um, and then you know, and there was just we didn't fully understand what was happening with food allergies. So like in the early two thousands, we said don't introduce till you know later a year or two after you know the, you know the child's born, um, and that turned out to actually increase the risk of food allergies. And so we want to introduce super early, and so we're still, still sort of learning or, you know our way around this. We do have a sense of how to be better at preventing it um, and how to treat allergies we're still trying to get to the root cause. And this is sort of across the board. There's lots of things that we're seeing, whether it's autoimmune disorders or other conditions that we're just sort of seeing increase over the last few decades. And we don't fully understand why.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, if I think back to when I was a new mom, I was sort of afraid of everything. And you were, the messages that I got too were to be so careful about eggs and uh, you know, right. milk and wheat and peanuts. It was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to give my, my child, the peanut now, or the little piece of peanut butter. And like, hope and pray that there is no response. So it's scary and you're already scared, right? So I can see how this, you know, I can see how it has evolved that way for sure. So I hope this does set it back by introducing things a lot more quickly and and all of that. But I I don't want to let you go before we talk about super awesome care. I mean, first of all, it's a super awesome name. I love it. I say super awesome all the time. So it's like, it's the best name ever. So Please tell me about your site and how it will help parents and kids with food allergies. I just think it's so great. Oh,
1: thank you so much. And actually we picked the name because we figured super awesome is something kids say and we we think kids (laughs) with allergies are super awesome and we want them to get super awesome care for the whole team and so what we're building is essentially a virtual platform where you can access top-notch allergists nutritionists behavioral therapists that are specialized in food allergies to sort of help your family navigate this and then we also pair every family up with a dedicated care advocate which is basically your go-to person any question you have you text them they will get the answer to you or they will get you to the right provider to make sure they get your questions answered Um, In addition, we have a platform where we'll be providing education so that you can, depending on where you are in your journey as a parent of a child with food allergy, what do you need to know? How do you, you, are you sure you know how to use your EpiPen? Can you spot a reaction? What do you do? You know, those types of things. It's you've got the right education. How do you read labels? In addition, we have a tool which is uh, available on our site now, free for anyone, which is a digital food allergy card, which essentially digitizes all your kids' important information, Currently, it's called it, It's an emergency care plan. It's on a piece of paper. Usually you usually have to fold it up a gazillion times, put it in your kid's bag. This is a digital version. It sits in the Apple wallet. Cute photo Ooh. of your kid on the front. The back is their emergency care plan, and you can share it with anyone really easy. You can text it to other family members, babysitters, teachers, awesome. et cetera. And the idea is, you know, because of a food allergy, you need the community to help you. You need everyone to know that your child... Has, a, has this condition, right? It's, you know, with some illnesses, we don't want other people to necessarily know what our child's going yeah. through. We think it's private information. With food allergies, you almost wanna like stamp it on your kid's yeah. head. Like do not <laughs> give my kids peanuts or milk or eggs, right? So this is just an easy way, like everyone you're gonna interact with, you can send this card to them. That's just an easy way to tell them, this, these are my kid's allergies. This is what you do if something happens and it has their emergency contact info, um, as well as a link to sort of watch a video on how to use the EpiPen if you, if you do have to use it and then we are also building out a thank you and then we're, we're building out a community where uh, people can the parents can meet with other parents because we found the community is really strong in the food allergy world um, we've got lots of facebook groups lots of parents meeting online the difference is we are, our community is moderated so that there's no misinformation we're tagging mm-hmm. things we're making sure you know things don't cycle out of control um, and that there's no propaganda on there and no sort of people advertising different things and so it's just a way to connect with parents right. that's sort of a safe community where you can because there's so much value with everything parenting related is the ability to talk to other
0: parents and see what they're going through. What are the tips and tricks that work for them? Because we learn so much more from other parents. I love it. I love it. And, and I can see that myself in the work that I do. I work, uh, I, I work with parents in a group format. And the, the thing that I hear the most is it feels so good to know I'm not alone. And it, It It does. Community is important. You know, it's really what we're wired for too, for connection, for community. And so this is so wonderful. And so you can go to www.superawesomecare.com and it's all there for you. And um, I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing. And um, I know that as soon as you're ready, I'm going to share it with everybody that will listen to me because I think it is so important So important. So thank you for what you're doing. I want to say one, I want to just uh, end on one quick note. It isn't Halloween, but for everybody just to know, what is the, what is it? The blue pumpkin, the turquoise pumpkin? What what is Teal
1: pumpkin. Teal pumpkin. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's that about?
1: Yeah. So Teal Pumpkin has become, it's a worldwide initiative right now. It started from a mom in Tennessee that just just wanted her daughter to have a safe Halloween. Because as you can imagine, Halloween's all about candy. And if you've got a child with food allergies, there's food allergens in pretty much every typical Halloween candy, right? Mm -hmm. And so what they came up with was you get a teal pumpkin uh, and you can find these at lots of major retailers from like Target to Walmart, all these large stores. Uh, Teal is the color of food allergy awareness. And basically the initiative is get a tail pumpkin and fill it up with non-food items. So fun trinkets like, you know, vampire fangs, mini slinkies, tattoos, things that are not food related so that parents don't have to worry about their kids grabbing something and eating it while they're trick-or-treating. Just really fun little toys, which could be crayons, coloring books, all sorts of, you can get really creative to do this and fill it up so that kids that have food allergies can go trick-or-treating and then when they see this teal pumpkin, they know that it's things that are safe for them. Um, and oh. it's you know, and it's typically we've got CVS in the US that is partnering with the food allergy and research education nonprofit to make sure there's just really inexpensive little trinkets and you can get these at your dollar store. In many cases, they're cheaper than buying candy, yeah, but no it's kidding. just a way to include food allergy kids to have it on your doorstep. Uh, and then there's also a map where you can add your address so kids can know which houses in their neighborhood actually are taking part in this. So it's just a really great way to have, help uh, make kids with food allergies feel included. And, and Halloween, which is sort of like the quintessential kids' holiday. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Halloween? That's so great. I happen to live in an area that has so many kids. So that is so, so great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let, let me just clarify one thing too. So um, I'm, we're recording this in October. It's October 7th. We just bought a box of Halloween candy that we're already eating. So we'll need to buy more, uh, but um, the, it's nut free. So that would be safe for those kids that have nut allergies, but that doesn't mean that it's safe for kids with wheat or um, milk or right. eggs or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of, um, there, hmm. I didn't think there of that There are before. some, like
1: there's, yeah, I mean, there's some candies that are generally gonna be safe for most kids with food allergies. So um, yeah. things like Smarties, original Starburst, Swedish Fish, Sour okay. Patch Kids, you know, Skittles, Airheads. Um, there's a brand called Yum Earth that makes a whole host of of food allergy friendly treats. And so for okay. some parents that want to sort of include candy, there's some. Those are some of the safe options, which are sort of the the brands that kids know. Like everybody knows Smarties and uh, your Starburst and and um, Sour Patch Kids and things of that sort, where you can have these sort of you know allergen free food items for
0: kids. Okay, that's great. And And obviously not
1: not for every kid because you can be allergic to almost anything, but for most kids, those are generally gonna be safe.
0: So you wouldn't wanna put those in the teal pumpkin. The teal pumpkin is really for stuff versus food, yeah?
1: Exactly. I mean, some parents that, you know, are really good um, might, might also put some food stuff and just let the kids know that there's food things in there or the parents if they're with them. And some will actually do both. They'll have a pumpkin with sort of trinkets and then a pumpkin with sort of, you know, top nine allergy free treats. Um, so some, you know, some parents, and it sort of goes back to what can we do to make kids feel more included. And so some parents, if let's say their kid has a best friend that has food allergies, they'll go out of their way to make sure that they're always included. Um, and the more we can do, the more we can normalize it because it's, exactly. it's one in 13 kids. It's 6 million. I don't know how many in Canada. but It's got to be millions It's 6 million in the US. It's a huge problem, right? There's lots of kids in your neighborhood that you probably just don't know have food allergies.
0: That's right. That's right. And you know what, just in the interest of being a good neighbor and um you know a parent who cares about other kids, let's do this. And so put that in your back pocket for next uh, next Halloween so that you know to do that and um Rania, thank you so much for being here again. It's superawesomecare.com and you have helped me so much to understand what's going on and I know you've helped the listeners as well. And again for you parents that have a kid a child with uh, Um, allergies, like we just, you know, we want you to feel seen and heard and understood. And I hope this episode helped you to do that. And uh, I hope you feel more at home with, um, with everybody in your community with this. And I hope you get the, the help and support that you need. So thank you so much, Rania. Oh, and thank you. Thank
1: you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this and also just spreading this message. I think what you do is is fantastic. Um, And I think it's gonna be just so great. I think a lot of parents don't know about this topic and a lot of food allergy parents are gonna be so appreciative that you're covering this topic as well too. So thank you so much.